Good to go. Yeah? Yep, we're live. Cool. Oh, doggone it, everything. <laughs> Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. This episode is sponsored by Tyler Sanders' famous gin and tonics. <laughs> that I told Ethan to remove you, from the front of the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is our fuel for thought tonight. <laughs> we were just talking about things that we, uh, we can't make visual jokes because of the audio podcast, and the first thing that we do... Is we make a visual joke about me doing something on yes. camera. Yes, so. I'm, I'm sorry for those audio listeners. Uh, Ethan is is famous for leaving things on the podcast table while he is um, prepping, and they end up on camera. So that was uh, that was his gin and tonic. Anyway, three weeks in a row now. <laughs> I don't remember the last two weeks, but it's my phone, it's water. It's you're always yelling at me to get my sweatshirt off the table, but <laughs> somehow, somehow we manage, right? The title of Michael somehow Scott's book. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Switchcast is the automotive podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. And depending on the week, we lean uh, more heavily towards one or the other. I think this one, again, is entertainment, but that's okay. That's uh, that's really why we're all here, because uh, you know people have magazines they can read and Wikipedia and such and such. But um, anyway, I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, with me tonight, my producer, Ethan Huffnagel, and Tyler Sanders, the Ed McMahon to this Johnny Carson. Anyway, um, thank you for joining us. If you're live with us on YouTube, Facebook, or TikTok, feel free to throw those comments and questions in. We'll get to them as best we can throughout the course of the episode. Otherwise, if we don't get to them, we will try to get to them afterwards. We have the live bonus round after the recorded version, which is called Tip Talk, and we especially appreciate your tips as they keep us on the air and move your questions to the top. Tonight, we're talking a fair amount about auctions, and we've focused a lot on buyer tips throughout this season, but we're going to talk more towards sellers, and um, you know, everybody seems to be an expert now because they can look up, bring a trailer, and get market results, and oh, well, I'll just sell my car and bring a trailer, and newsflash, it's not quite that easy. And they're not the only website. In fact, there's a whole bajillion of them. Uh, but we want to talk about that. And um, I've consulted with a lot of my clients lately on selling the car and what is the best strategy. And so this is really just a, a free look at what I've advised my clients to do in terms of determining the best strategy to sell their car, both for... Uh, to maximize the value, because that is important, but also just, I, I would say, like the, the the mental brain damage, avoiding that, because selling a car can come with its own hassle and headache. And for some people, that's enjoyable, and they're fine with going through that. Uh, for other clients, you know, you, you, their time is money. And, you know, getting an extra thousand or two bucks out of their car, but taking hours and hours and exposing their personal address or personal information to people dealing with tire kickers isn't worth it. So ex explore both of those options and help customers decide kind of what is the best way to go. To introduce that, to kind of lay the groundwork, I wanted to talk about just kind of the auctions that are out there um, and, and the physical versus online, right? So 20 years ago, even maybe 10 years ago, everybody referenced Barrett Jackson. When they're talking about selling a car, they'd say, well, I can just, I can just run it down to Barrett Jackson because 
watch them on TV. Look, they got a million dollars for Hemi Cuda. It's like, okay, yeah, but they, they sold like 5,000 cars that week and a few hundred of them made it on TV. So not every one of those sold for a record price. Let's, let's, let's look at the rest of them. Let's, let's see what cars sold for on Tuesday afternoon, not on Saturday night when the TV cameras are there and everybody's got, you know, super drunk and, and bidding like crazy. Uh, but they're not the only auction, right? There, there's quite a bit of market saturation in the auction space. So when you're looking at physical auctions, just the big players, you're looking at Barrett-Jackson, Gooding, Meekum, Broad Arrow, RM, Worldwide Auctioneers, Bondum, Bonhams, Vanderbrink, GAA, and more. Like those are those are the major players. There's a whole lot more that have local auctions. So you got a lot of people with a lot of money competing for space in that market. And some of them have their own sales. So Meekum has Kiss Me, which is completely separate from any event or car show. And then you have kind of the the Scottsdale auctions, which everybody knows about, those happen in January. The headliner there is Barrett Jackson, but uh, RM Gooding and Meekum are typically there as well. I think, well, not Meekum, but uh, Russo and Steel used to be there. Russo and Steel isn't around anymore. Um, you have Monterey, that's probably in the high end world what everybody looks forward to every year in August to kind of determine the market um, with uh, Gooding and RM headlining there. And now, of course, Broad Arrow, which is a new contender to the market. We talked about them on a previous episode a while back. They got bought out by Haggerty. Uh, so they have quite a bit of uh, clout in this space. And they're definitely throwing their weight around. Um, so you have the physical auctions. And then in the online space, you have Bring a Trailer, of course, the most well-known. You have Collecting Cars. Cars and Bids, P Car Market, MB Market, Drive Down Cars, eBay, Saki and Co, P1 Auction, Shiftgate, Marked Official, Car for Coin, Auto Hunter, Before the Link, Guys with Rides, Rad for Sale, Stratus, DCX, to name a few. Okay? So, Bring a Trailer is not the only one competing for this space. They certainly have the lion's share of the market. Um, oh, Hemmings. I completely forgot. Hemmings has their own. Um, online auction as well. Um, so, so let's break this down a little bit. First, you have physical versus online, right? So the physical auctions, you will actually send your car there. And um, in the collector car sphere, they're probably most well known for achieving some really, really crazy numbers. They've got the, the, the records, you know, if, if you want to sell a $15 million car, you're not putting it on an online auction. You're sending it to to Gooding, to RM, somebody like that. If you want to get $250,000 for your Resto Mod mid-year Corvette, you're sending it to Barrett-Jackson, and you're making sure your car is going off at Saturday at 7 p.m. on TV. But, you know, for kind of the rest of the world, you you start thinking about, well, I have a $200,000 to $400,000 car. If you send it to the physical auctions, you have a 12.5% seller fee, typically, if it's under 250K, 10% above. The buyer is paying another 10 to 12.5%, plus you have shipping, plus you have to commit months in advance to 
make sure that it gets in the catalog and gets accepted because they have to do their promotion. So the market conditions could change in the meantime. Then you're looking at timing of the market, not timing of the market, timing of the auction itself, right? Are, Are you right in the middle of the auction? Are you at the end of the auction? Are you during prime time? Like, what do you know about the auction? And, you know, when is the best time to sell a car? What cars are you between that might go for big money? When are the big players going to be in the room? All this stuff is is not guesswork. It's a science. And these auction houses have it figured out. Um, and in order to do this, you can't just consign your car and think that it's go going to go for big money. You got to think about this. And I'm not coming at this from the perspective of just some random internet expert. I have uh, done actual transactions with Mecham, with Gooding, with Cars and Bids, P-Car Market, MB Market, Bring a Trailer. Um, I've been a registered bidder at Broad Arrow, at RM, at Worldwide Auctioneers, at Barrett-Jackson. So I've, I've physically been at these auctions. I've transacted. I've bought and sold. I've set records and I've lost my shirt. So I've, I've, <laughs> I've physically, uh, done all these platforms and use them. Uh, so a wee bit of experience here. Um, so these are things you have to consider and even which auction you're sending it to. So we sold, uh, we sent a Mustang Cobra R to Mecham in uh philadelphia it wasn't philadelphia it was was some sale in in eastern pennsylvania and it it completely bombed and the room emptied like right before it was going we had no idea why this was one of our first outings with one of the bigger auctions and i was told afterwards like oh yeah you don't want to go to that sale like that's the riffraff and i'm like great thanks wish we had known you know, and even stupid little stuff like when they line up the cars, there's no rhyme or reason. They just fit them in. But ours happened to be in like the the just the wrong lot number. So when it was out in the tent, instead, if it was one lot number higher, it would have been in the front of the tent when you walked out. But instead, it was all the way in the back. So like just nobody saw it when they're walking around. So. It's all those little things. And, and and let me clue you in. There's a lot of dealers that go to these auctions in order to fill up their inventory. So if you're looking at selling your car at a physical auction, you got to think about that. You're paying 12.5%. The buyer's paying 12.5%. And there's a crap ton of dealers going there because they know that they're getting a car for wholesale. And that wholesale includes, that means that you're netting so if a dealer's buying for wholesale at the auction, including their 12.5% fee, that means you're netting 25% below wholesale. You literally could call up that dealer and in one phone call make 25% more. Or let's say you split the difference, 12.5% more without the hassle. So you really have to consider whether or not your car is the right fit for that auction, for that demographic um, you know, what their target market is uh, in the region. Um, I, I mean, this is a little bit of a controversial um, topic, but I, I'm, I'm coming at it from a market thing. But, 
the Jenner person, whether you want to call him Bruce or her, Caitlin, whatever, we're not going to have that discussion here. But Jenner uh, brought their Porsche GT3 RS to the Gooding sale at Amelia Island in Florida and gave this big talk before it got auctioned off. And the room was silent, like it almost completely bombed because it was like going to some charity that had to do with, you know, what Jenner was about. And, you know, in my head, I'm going, forget your political assumptions. You've got Florida, which is a red state, and California, which is a blue state. And you've got you know, Gooding is at both auctions. One's in Florida, one's in California, in Monterey. And I'm like, why in the world would you choose to bring your car to Florida when you could sell it in California, knowing the demographic of the buyer? And that's kind of like an extreme example, but it serves a purpose of you need to know who the demographic is for each particular auction before you send a car there. You know, don't send your muscle car to... Monterey, where it's all European sports car buyers, don't send your Ferrari 250 LM to the, you know, worldwide auctioneer sale in Auburn, Indiana, where it's, you know, middle America looking for Duesenbergs and and Hemis, right? Like you've got to like actually think about what what their market is before you just say, oh, well, you know, they get all these record sales. I'll just send it to auction. That's everybody's answer for everything. I'll send it to auction. Think, think before you do that, you know, hire a consultant, something, but actually do your research because it's not an automatic uh, win Um, for every, you know, record setting sale that they publicize. There's probably 10 sales that are mediocre, within market range, average, and or below average. Like I said, dealers are going to these auctions to fill up their inventory. That says something. So let's go to a break. Let's have a a, a fun segment, and we will come back and we'll talk a little bit more about the online auctions. That's certainly a fun topic because there's a lot of them coming on the market, a lot of them going off the market, not making it. We'll unpack that a little bit as well and discuss those versus the physical auctions in terms of what's the best platform to sell your car. Tyler, take it away. Tonight's SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. All right, Doug is taking a break again. Uh, The Corvette curmudgeon is back in the house with us tonight. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Mr. Corvette Curmudgeon, Mr. CC? Oh, fantastic. Yep. That's, that's good. Glad to have you back. Uh, tonight, I wanted to ask you, uh, has your Corvette ever left you stranded? Or have you ever had any like big repairs you've had to do with a car? Well, no. 
Oh, that's Corvette's good. got an LS engine. It's pretty uh-huh. friggin' reliable. Pretty. I was very reliable. Ain't one of them fancy Ferraris that cost $8,000 for an oil change. But no, I mean, I've only got 5,000 miles on it since I bought it new. And, and what, uh, what year was that when you buy it now? Uh, 1998, museum okay. delivery. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, I've only taken it ever 20 miles from home for car shows. But uh, yeah, no, there's nothing to break on that thing. They're 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 really reliable, and that's what makes them uh, great cars. I mean, you're in a sense you're speaking the truth. But I got to know: Have you had to do? Have you done any maintenance on your car? I changed the oil back in 2010. Okay, so you're yep. still thinking it's good. It's well, yeah, I've left. only driven it three thousand miles since then. Okay. Hmm. Why Why would I do maintenance? It ain't broke. <laughs> Well, some people ascribe to the, the this thought of preventative maintenance to keep your car in good condition so you do things before they break. I got preventative maintenance. <laughs> oh, did you? And what was oh, that? Oh, yeah. I got guns in my house so that the friggin' criminals won't come in. That's preventative maintenance. Uh, sure. So, you, I mean, you obviously care about your Corvette a lot, so you don't want to kind of get in there and make sure it's running tip-top all the time? It runs great. Every time I start it up, it starts right up. Hmm. All right. Had to replace the battery once or twice. Yeah. Okay. Do you leave it on like a tender when you got it sitting around all the time? Nope. Okay. Nope. Interesting. Fancy toys people don't need. It's expensive. They want $100 for one of them. Too expensive. Well, I mean, I guess you're not wrong. But with it sitting all the time, you think you want to keep that in tip top, too. So you really, uh, you take a hands off approach to your car, is what you're you're saying. Well, you could explode the battery with one of them chargers. I don't want to hurt the paint. It's only original once. That is very true. Well, thank you very much, uh, Corvette Carmudgeon, for coming in again tonight uh, and uh, telling us all about this lovely Corvette you've got. And, uh, yeah, Corvette Carmudgeon is always brought to you by the, unwittingly, by the Corvette Buy-Sell Trade Group on Facebook. That is your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. There was no audible chuckle from Ethan this time. It was intentional. But it was visible. He, he held it in. I smiled. I will say this. So, <laughs> the Citroen, Citroen curmudgeons are at it again. Oh, are we they? talked about this a long time ago. I don't expect anyone to remember, and that's fine. But I, I was I was down at the the Tampa Bay Automobile museum which is worth a visit it is the undiscovered gem of of car museums in in the u.s and i made some videos and and i had a slip and i called the 2cv sahara a safari not on purpose i knew it was a sahara it's just like i've got safari on the brain from all these porsche safaris and all that dakar yeah yeah so like yeah anyway the safari is just a ubiquitous term so like i feel like i practiced it eight times before i made the video and then i still said safari so a few people corrected me on that yep you should have i was i was i was wrong but one guy was very he he said uh this guy has no (laughs) idea what he's talking about he's talking about me he said don't quit your day job and i was clueless and couldn't even pronounce the name correctly or get the model correctly. Mm. And he said, also, it's Du Chavot, not 2CV. Duh. Du Chavot. You're a Du Chavot. There it is. <laughs> there yeah. it is. I, but I'm like, okay, fine. You're right. And I responded. I'm like, you're right. I can't speak French. But nobody tries to pronounce Ferrari like an Italian. We're not all going around going, Ferrari. Nobody calls it a Jaguar. Or a BMV, right? Like, that's yeah. how Germans pronounce it. It's BMV. Nobody ever pronounces, calls it a BMV. This guy might. 
I, dude, it's the Citroen people. They are so like you can't say anything bad about a Citroen. You can't pronounce it wrong. You can't say if you say anything about it because they know everything about them. You're just a a, a boob. You know, like if I tried to pronounce Citroen like a French person, I admit like that I cannot do a French anything. But I feel like it would be an incredible sign of arrogance and disrespect. Like, because I like just butcher it that, even more. Well, it's like the people that go like, I'll have a croissant <laughs> when they go up to, it's like, it's a croissant. You're in the U.S. This is how we pronounce it. Is it, it the Hard same tea. thing? Like, that's, this is a good thing. Yes, it's a croissant. You, we you talked like about, a, yeah. we talked about this with like, well, what's the difference with Porsche? Like, you don't call it Porsche, you call it Porsche because that's what it's called. That's the name. It's different. Uh, but then like uh, the, you know, Porsche owners call it like Perry Winkel Blau or, or whatever it is, right? Like they pronounce right. the colors oh, the specific They do way. the, yeah, the German Is that the like colors. similar to the uh, Citroen culture-ish? I, like, no, because we're not worse? pronouncing Porsche with a German accent. We're well, just acknowledging like we're, that yeah. this is two syllables. It's Porsche, not Porsche. It'd be like saying it's Ferrari, not Ferrari. Like, you at least get the pronunciation right, I guess. But, like, I'm not going to try to be French because that'll just be worse for everybody. Have you tried? I think he just did. <laughs> yeah, and it, look, there was a lot of effort. So so uh, he had a baguette so in his throat trying to say that. <laughs> but, like, I've, <laughs> I've lived in Ohio for 20 years. I can't even pronounce Cuyahoga right. Like, some people say it's Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga. Like, I don't freaking know. Yeah. Nobody yeah. gets mad at me or says, I, like, whatever. I don't know. I do. It's I, I, just don't, I just don't people. say I get mad at you. I just don't say It's Citroen Cit- 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 people. Oh, there, there it is. Yes. Uh, Pero in the chat would like to know uh, what Pero? Cor- yeah, Pero. Uh, he sounds like a Frenchie. No, he's the, I forget where this guy's from. Please let me know in chat again so I can tell Doug, but he's from far off, a land far off over French. an ocean. France. Uh, no. <laughs> French. But he's a... <laughs> He's from French. He's from French. Uh, he did want to know what the Corvette curmudgeon drove in today to the podcast. Ooh, I'd like to if, know that too. If the curmudgeon can come back. Uh, <clears throat> I drove my GMC Envoy. They haven't, have they made one of those in a while? No. no. <laughs> I don't. Why would I buy a new SUV? Friggin' depreciates. I can't afford that. Bought it back and got the, the A-plan employee discount because my buddy works at the, the stamping plant. And uh, yeah, drive that every day. Keep the miles off my Corvette. How many miles do you have on this? Is it falling apart yet? No. All my stuff's taken nice care of. I got 120,000 miles on it. Mm, amazing. Yeah, it's 18 <laughs> years old. Well, we'll have to go check it out after the podcast if you don't need to go to bed too soon. Uh, I'm I'm about to head home. All righty. Well, we'll catch you next week. You pay me overtime for the additional question? <laughs> uh, I don't pay you at all. We'll have to talk to Doug when he I'm going to have my union rep contact you. Caught him just before bedtime, Pero. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> let's let's do a wall of shame. Let's let's keep going with yeah, this. Is fun. good. This is good. <laughs> I don't want to talk about auctions. Who right. is the wall of shame brought to us by Tyler? The wall of shame is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, uh, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. 
Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. So, the wall of shame is our opportunity to make fun of customers because, you know, they all have uh, Yelp and Google reviews and stuff. So uh, dealers can get reviewed, but we don't often get to do the same to customers because of, you know, things like privacy laws and Consumer Protection Act and all that crap. But this is our way of anonymously doing it. So we've got... <laughs> it's not really anonymous, is it? It's totally anonymous. Uh, we don't name names. Oh, I see. I see. Anyway, so uh, yeah, this is this is the idiot clients that come out of the woodworks. And uh, this one came not to us, but to somebody else. This is uh, verbatim. Uh, again, a profanity warning here. This is uh, This is verbatim from the customer. Here we go, Tyler. All right. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask if, I could, if I'm reading this word for word. All right. Lead from Joe B. Email address shitjob at shittywebsite.com. Yeah. This is not <laughs> a limited trim. It's not even a GLS. It's the base SE. Are you loser trash used car lots trying to scam people by listing the vehicle at a higher trim level? The book on this POS isn't even $3,500. <laughs> Reporting you to the dealer licensing board. <laughs> Exclamation point. Trade-in request. 1985 10-inch. Big pretty pink cock, <laughs> thick as beer can, white. <laughs> Boy, that escalated there real quick. There goes the monetization. The <laughs> oh, goodbye. <laughs> I so I edited out. I'm pretty sure in the screenshot I that I stole of this from somebody else <laughs> that, that he put his actual phone number in because usually when I get these emails. Like they put in like a, a a fake phone number as well, along with a fake email address, and I, I'm like, I looked at the phone number. I'm like, that could be real. Like, did you call it? Can we get him no, on the podcast? I didn't call it. Can we fire up Colin's no, studio? No, it's get him not. On the, the person who posted will get fired if we do that. This is anyway. Oh, he sounds like a sweetheart. We could try. Ooh, we should call him from the podcast. I'm saying that's a, that'd be a great segment. We have okay, Colin's maybe. studio. All right. I do have the screenshot still. There we and go. And it didn't look like a scam phone number. So we might try it. Uh, next week. Anyway, this, this, is, this is what dealers have to deal with sometimes. Uh, yeah. And, and it, like, okay, dealers are guilty of, of a lot of false advertising. However, more often than not, it's some stupid like VIN decoding thing on a third party website. Like I get hate mail all the time because we'll have a you know Lamborghini or whatever that's a sequential manual and it's listed as a manual because that's what the VIN decoder says, but it's not. And I'm like, I can't control that. I know it's an automatic, not a stick shift, but you know, you punch it into these systems and like you look at Carfax and sometimes we'll run a Carfax on a Porsche and it's like Porsche 911 2S slash 4S slash turbo slash GTS. It doesn't friggin' know like the VIN doesn't delineate all that stuff. So I'm pretty sure because we run into this before I had an almost identical email that's on our wall of shame about an Alpina and the guy just said like dumbass don't list it as a real Alpina <laughs> if it isn't one and I'm like it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that your cheap friggin' decoder doesn't say it is, but it is. 
So anyway, people just get really mad about it. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so my last week's wall of shame was a dealer who cell phoned. Uh, uh, if you didn't listen to, to last week's episode, it was pretty good because um, the guy was basically trying to make fun of a customer and everybody in the dealer group uh, just turned on this salesman because he admitted that they had about six grand in dealer fees and mandatory protection package on all their cars. So I think I actually found them. I was searching for 911s and I found a dealer called Pacific Auto Center in California. They have a 1.2 out of 5 rating on cars.com. That is staggering. It's pretty terrible. How many terrible. reviews can you tell? I mean like a 1.2 out of 5 car rating on Mannheim would be like it's a salvage title and it doesn't run and the roof's caved in <laughs> like it's like, barely a car <laughs> that is the status of this dealer and uh yeah their reviews typical used car greasy scammers they had a tesla advertised for 35 grand but then they tell me that doesn't include a seven grand dealer markup for some accessories they added which was a paint protection film mm-hmm. is this gold plated plated film Somebody else, bait and switch, uh, came in to check out a Tesla, blah, blah, blah. Uh, When I asked in person for the price, he lied and told me that he texted the total price. Uh, The guys lie to your face. After he handed me the keys, some kid runs out and yells that the car is sold. Uh, The dealership are big time liars. After... Uh, after all the damages were found on the vehicle, they said they won't charge the five grand markup. So almost every other review on here is complaining about just like seven grand in ads uh, for, for protection and stuff like that. So it's like they advertise a price and this one, you have to be careful when, when running comps and, and looking at cars for sale. And this is actually how I found it because there was a car priced significantly below the rest of them. And I was like, well, why is this so cheap? And am I overpaying for the car that I'm taking in on trade? And then I started reading your, the reviews and being like, oh, you can't actually buy it for this price because they're going to add seven grand as soon as you get to the dealer and or the car might not actually be there or whatever. So um, anyway, back to auctions. That's uh, our main topic for tonight. We talked a little bit about the physical auctions, but in online auctions, because that seems to be more accessible for the average consumer, nobody's going to send their $20,000, uh, you know, Nissan 300 ZX to Gooding in Pebble Beach, but uh, you could certainly list it on cars and bids or something like that. But let's talk about the online auctions a little bit. So the market is definitely saturated. There's probably 20 plus auction companies out there fighting for this space. Again, Bring a Trailer has established themselves as the leader. Cars and Bids is right up there with them as well as collecting cars. But you have to be pretty careful with who you deal with. So in researching these companies this week, uh, so we've got the major ones, BAT, Collecting Cars, Cars and Bids, P-Car Market, MB Market, Drive Down Cars, eBay, and Hemmings. Uh, Drive Down Cars is is a newcomer to the market. We'll talk about that uh, in a moment because they're they've got an interesting model. But the kind of like secondary players are all fighting for like the, the scraps, right? So this is what I came up with, right? So you've got 
Saki and Company, which is primarily just supercars, there's no auctions currently live or scheduled. Now, that's a little bit of an outlier because Joe Saki has been around forever. His dad was in the business. He's well established in the supercar market, but he tried to take his network and move it to an online auction platform. And he's had some very big sales, but it doesn't seem like, at least from the website, that it's transitioned or or grown into something sustainable from what we can see currently. There's P1 auctions, which made a bunch of noise maybe six months ago. There's two cars currently live on that website, a Ferrari 430 and an Olds Cutlass Supreme. Seems like they don't really know their (laughs) demographic. (laughs) They're just fishing. Is that one of the like 90s ones? That's worth Uh, like four grand? Yeah, I think it was like a... (laughs) 80s 80s, one yeah Yeah. mark spent special Um, so you've got shift gate auctions which i think is based out of canada went to their website today quote unquote our site is undergoing maintenance we will be back live shortly thank you for your understanding (laughs) that's never good how long is that don't say about our site no 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 i wasn't going to i wasn't going i was actually thinking of the office because before they launched that new platform, you went to the the office's website. Oh, that hasn't been updated. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Under construction, they had like a Lego thing. You've got marked official again, which is kind of uh, made a big push on social media. They have four current auctions, not a great number, but in going through their sold auctions, they claim to have a hundred percent sale rate this year. How many? <laughs> See, a fair number. That's, that's, that's a good question. Like no, we like, I, I mean, probably like 50 100%. cars this year. Okay. So not uh, like a big number, but I'm like, I'm, legit. 100% sale rate is, is quite dubious, uh, especially for a small site, because a small site, uh, you're... <sighs> you don't have a critical mass. That's the issue with these small sites is you have to get critical mass, both on the buyer and the seller side, almost at the same time, because if you have the buyers, but no cars, you'll lose the buyers. If you have the sellers, but no buyers, you'll lose the sellers. And a lot of these companies came on and dealers were flocking to them going, Oh, we can pick up cars for wholesale because there's no other buyers. They don't have a critical mass of buyers. So the fact that they have 50 sold cars and they claim a hundred percent sell through to me is dubious because with, if they don't have critical mass, all of their sellers basically have agreed to accept less than market value. And that's just, that's really hard to do. Um, typically the auctions that are picking up the scraps are picking up cars that other auction companies don't want. And they're either subpar cars or the cars that people want to sell for higher than market prices. And the big auction houses won't take them because they know better. Anyway, continuing down the list, car for coin, no current or upcoming auctions. Auto Hunter, they are actually a a big player in this space, but they are all pretty much classic muscle cars. So if you're in the European sports car space, you would have never heard of them. Uh, Before the Lane failed. Guys with Rides, they have three cars live. Their subtext is redefining collector car auctions, but their site is more outdated than switch cars, and that's saying a lot. Like, it looks like... It was designed in 2003. Who, what's the name of these guys? Guys with rides. 
it's their site is is very like uh, angelfire.net <laughs> i mean it's, it's oh boy it's pretty uh, yeah their logo they use the same i do not want to shame these guys at all i'm sure they are trying their hardest but the it's the same like you know the outline of the car that you see on like every like local detailing shop yeah. that just oh, yeah, made yeah. their like mm-hmm. design and canva in like five minutes mm-hmm. it's the same kind of exact thing there. yeah 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 it, it's like um uh, I can't Oof. remember that. Yeah. It's like Microsoft Word designed. Anyway, uh, then we've got Rad for Sale failed, Stratus failed, DCX failed, and I think there are some others coming soon, right? So there's there's a lot of people competing. So what does that mean for sellers, right? Why, why are we picking these auctions apart? What it means is there's a lot of people competing for this space, and you have to choose carefully who you're listing with. You have to make sure that there's a critical mass of buyers for your particular demographic. Again, it goes back to the physical auctions. We talked about where the auction is, what their target market is, and what kind of car you have. And then you have to figure like, okay, is my car one that will do well on this particular auction platform, right? Again, everybody's looking at bring a trailer right now. And that's kind of like the, the, the veiled threat, right? Like, well, if you don't, if you can't give me what you want, I'll just run it on bring a trailer. And I'm like, okay, let's see. You can submit it and you can wait three months for it to go live. They're going to want a wholesale ish reserve because they want it to sell so you're taking all the risk versus, you know, potentially having a, an immediate buyer now. Um, and then you have to put up with the peanut gallery with all the people commenting and finding things wrong with your car. And, you know, this comes down to your particular uh, strengths and weaknesses as a seller. Again, there are some people that don't want to be bothered with any of that and, then there's people that just that that revel in it, right? Like, I mean, the average Corvette guy can't handle anybody saying anything bad about his car. Don't ever friggin' list it on bring a trailer, right? Like you are putting your car out there to be completely torn apart from every possible angle and every internet expert. So that is, I guess, one example of physical auctions over online is you don't have the live peanut gallery. You have somebody filtering all that for you. And again, there's something to be said for a dealer handling all this for you or somebody with expertise in this market. And we get a lot of people that send us their cars just to run on bring a trailer or some other auction house because they don't want to deal with all that crap. And they understand that we know kind of like how to play the game in order to, to get the most out of the car. Um, because you do have to have a thick skin running your cars on those sites. Um, but then you have to just decide, you know, where you're going to run your car because there are strengths and weaknesses of all these auctions. P car market initially established themselves as a Porsche only marketplace. They've now expanded that. So they'll sell any car, but you know, it, it's a fairly good outlet for Porsches. MB market is Mercedes only, and they've stuck to that. And I really, really like that. They've established themselves as Mark experts, and they get some pretty darn good results for Mercedes because people know that's where to go for a clean Mercedes. 
and you know bring a trailer has a bigger overall audience and so they've set a few records here and there but mb markets set their own records depending on the cars um drive down cars is an interesting one so that's a new one and that actually is setting itself apart because they are a traditional dutch auction so basically they start at a price that you can buy it for and then they go down every day so you could put a proxy bid in so for example we've got a, a 2003 911 turbo on drive down right now we're trying them out and it started at 78,000 bucks and the floor is 73 so everybody knows the price right off the bat there's no guesswork whereas with bring a trailer you're like i don't know what the reserve is i don't know if i'm gonna win the car i don't know i don't know and you kind of just have to put your bid in and, and hope for the best well this one you can see in real time okay i can buy it for 78 grand today or i can wait for tomorrow and see if nobody else buys it for 77 so they're kind of playing on the fomo and um you know allowing people to you know take the risk roll the dice like oh if i really want this car but i want it for less i'm gonna wait three days but then hope that nobody else gets it so i think it's kind of a cool concept because i think in this space in order to get buyers from kind of like the big three you've got to establish yourself as doing something different um so i i, I like what they're doing uh, I'm interested to see how it's received by the market, but they seem to have a, a, a pretty good platform going. Um, so anyway, that's that's a little bit about auctions. Certainly, there's a lot more nuances to prepping your car for auctions. Um, that is, I mean, honestly, that's where it comes into hiring a professional either to represent your car or to consult with you on how to represent your car. Um, it's just like a realtor. It's like staging your car, right? So when you put it on these auctions, you have to make sure that it looks the best, that it is in the best position to, to maximize the value. And, you know, there's, there's no kind of one size fits all silver bullet for that. Um, but that's where somebody experience in the industry like ourselves can uh, assist with um, navigating which auction to use and how to prepare your car for auction. So we'll certainly talk about that more in future episodes. Uh, we hope that's somewhat helpful and uh, a little bit entertaining. And uh, with that said, we will um, go to a commercial and to our next segment. Alrighty. Switchcast is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms. Forget the flappy paddles, we like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. And our question of the week for you, Doug, is from Alex Brown. They're asking, what's a reasonable amount to spend on a car for someone making mid-90s? I really like this question. Yes. I like it a lot. <clears throat> that was a TikTok question last week. It was. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, TikTok. All right. So there's uh, five different answers to this. <laughs> so Dave Ramsey will say, you can't spend more than half of your annual income total, not like monthly payment, but total, on 
wheels and motors, things that go down in value. So forty-five grand, according to Dave Ramsey. The bank will say whatever payment you can afford with your debt to income ratio and your credit and all that. The dealership will say whatever payment we can get you approved for <laughs> for as long as possible. Exotic car hacks will say the sky's the limit. It doesn't cost anything to own and you can use other people's money and not worry about depreciation, maintenance or insurance. And you can own a supercar making 50 grand a year. I don't agree with any of those. <laughs> Uh, one, I think you should pay cash for toys, uh, or cars period. Um, so really the easy answer is it doesn't matter what your income is. It matters what you have in cash, right? So if you are being responsible with your finances, everything else, your quote unquote house is in order, um, then buy what you have the cash for. Right. Like I have a ridiculous percentage. Dave Ramsey would hate my percentage in terms of the dollar amount I have tied up in cars versus my annual income. It's not half. It's like five X. But I paid cash for them. And I mean, in theory, they're not going down in value because I know how to buy cars. But I, I understand the principle that he's coming from. Usually the normal cars that you use do go down in value. But anyway, whatever you can pay cash for having the rest of your finances in order, that's what you can afford. So if you're making mid nineties and you're partying all the time and you have, a, you know, your house poor and you have five grand in the bank, then I guess you're buying a hoopty. But if you're making mid nineties and you've invested really well and you live with your parents in their basement and you have, you know, 120 grand in the bank, then friggin' buy a Ferrari. Like, I <laughs> <laughs> You can uh, you can't be you know you can only be as stupid as what you have money in the bank to do. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so follow up question from last not last week. It, it was a, a an episode where we talked about um, EVs, and I made a statement that I said I don't think human beings impact climate change, and that was based on some scientific uh, basis and some articles and some experts. And uh, Forest Trees, that's his name on YouTube, Forest Trees commented, quoting me, I don't believe humans impact climate change. Wow. All credibility lost. Unsubscribed. Shame on you, Doug. Another one bites the dust. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think he was ever subscribed. Probably not. Uh, I mean, first of all, his name is Forest Trees, so I don't think that's my target demographic. <laughs> However, who, anyone who comments unsubscribed is almost never almost subscribed. never subscribed. Right. It's a universal yeah. internet threat. <laughs> anyway, but to follow up on that, it was interesting timing. Five years ago today, we are celebrating the five-year anniversary of Miss Climate Change. Greta Thunberg, who said, tweeted, uh, this was a quote from somebody else that she tweeted, a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. Five years ago today, that was tweeted. So it's Y2K all over again. Apparently the world is ending tonight. There's been so many times in my life that the world is supposed to end 2012, numerous times throughout all of anything for climate. It's kind of crazy. 
Yeah. We as humans like to talk about dying a lot. <laughs> Can we get Greta on the podcast? Probably not. <laughs> I think she's too much of a big deal. Yeah. I would love to, but it's also difficult to debate with people that say things like that, you know. So the, the funny thing is, right, though, so this was retweeted everywhere today. And, of course, the fact-checking media is all over this, Right. So they're saying, well, it's out of context. There's additional information needed that the article she referenced didn't actually come to that conclusion. She was just pulling the headline incorrectly. But my question is, where were the fact checkers when she made that tweet? Because she tweeted that. The fact checkers weren't there going, oh, no, 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 that's that's not true. That's out of context. That's not actually going to happen. You're being dramatic. No, they're only out now that the quote unquote conservatives are making fun of her for tweeting this. So, yeah, she actually made the tweet. And that's the one thing that the fact checkers can't deny is that she did make that tweet. And uh, the other thing is she dirty deleted the tweet a few months ago. Uh-oh. Mm. And the article that she quoted no longer exists either. The website is mm. gone. Double uh-oh. So it's like all these people, right? I stand behind my statement. I don't believe humans impact climate change. And there are scientists that will back me up on that. You might not believe in their science. You might say, well, we're going to take away their credibility, you know, what, whatever you want. But there are people that agree with me on that. And they're not dirty deleting their crap. But Greta is. So. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of dirty deleting and big media sources trying to paint over it. So I will stand behind my statement and uh, it's it's there. I'm not going to not going to go back on it. We do have a super chat from YouTube. Uh, Mo pops hey. in, has a very good question to ask you. Uh, back to the subject of online auctions. Also, thank you, Mo, so much for hanging out with us and sending your super chat. We'd, we'd love to see it. Uh, Doug, have you ever had a potential listing turned down from BAT? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, a couple, I think. And, um, it was ironic because it was a, it was a panoramic hardtop for an SL 500 Mercedes. They typically trade for like five to eight grand. I submitted it and no reserve a month prior. They had sold the exact one for like eight grand. And they turned it down and said, we don't think this is a good fit for our site. And I'm like, but you just <laughs> sold one. Like, I that is bizarre. Mine wasn't dirty or broken or anything. It was the exact same thing. Um, I don't know. I've had a lot of people complain to me that their stuff was turned down by BAT. And when they told me what it was, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm on their side. <laughs> but, you know, of course, I... Uh, yeah, I, I think there was, oh, there was a Honda S2000 race car I had a while ago, and this was before BAT had grown quite a bit. And so they're like, that's not our demographic. It's too racy, whatever. Now they sell race cars left and right. Um, so I, I kind of understood their perspective there, um, and it may not have even been the right fit at the time. But I think they'll, uh, they've opened themselves up a little bit more. I was talking with my contact at Bring a Trailer, and I asked what the percentage was that they accepted. And I think it is 60%. So they turned down almost half of their submissions. Well, and if you look, they have like 
five, six hundred auctions live right now or something. So that's got to be a subs- eight hundred. Oh, goodness. They have essentially a hundred auctions a day. And for them to be turning down almost half, that's right. insane. So they're getting, yeah, they're turning down 60 to 100 auctions per day. So if you're getting turned down, you're not alone. You just, you know, maybe they're doing you a favor because like we talked before, there's a certain demographic and BAT has its strengths and weaknesses. And I've advised people, I said, you know, because there's so many cars on Bring a Trailer now, it's kind of like the new eBay. You have to have an outlier. You have to have a car that brings its own attention. Otherwise, you're just going to get lost in the mix. And if you're selling a Mazda Miata and Bring a Trailer, good luck to you. You're not going to get top dollar. Um, But if you've got something truly unique that brings its own audience, then I think you'll do really well because they've got such a reach. Um, I, I think we all kind of miss when Bring a Trailer was, you know, like 10 cars a day oh, and I every see. car was exciting and every auction was exciting. I know they don't miss it because, <laughs> you know, they made millions and millions and good for them. But it certainly was more exciting as a as a spectator when they were smaller. They're too busy diving in their Scrooge McDuck pools of gold coins, but uh, (laughs) I do miss those digest emails every morning. That was such a good thing to just kind of scroll through as you're waking up or whatever. And the Thursday afternoon watch parties where it's like there's 10 auctions ending over the course of an hour and that's it for the week. Yeah. The the early days of the online auctions. Um, Speaking of auctions, we've got the appraiser, which is a a game Tyler and I have been playing and I'm winning handily so far uh, for the first week. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, he's got a commanding lead, though. Yes. I don't want to. No, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Won't sugarcoat it. Listen, I have to win. It's kind of like going to driving schools and then kart racing against an amateur. If I lose, then it was all a waste, right? I've been in the car business for 20 years. If I don't smoke you at this game, then I suck at my job. I don't have to be embarrassed if I lose. (laughs) That's a good point. So we pick cars for each other and uh, predict what prices they're going to sell for. And uh, whoever's closest wins. I don't know what we win bragging rights, but we're taking a cumulative tally. And at the end of the season, there's going to be a pretty big prize and a pretty big penalty. You guys can help decide, suggest whatever you think that should be. And uh, we may or may not take your suggestion. But yeah, taking applications now. So last week, uh, my pick for Tyler was a 2012 Mercedes E63 rear-wheel drive wagon. Uh, some smart aleck on the internet commented that it was all-wheel drive because they only made rear-wheel drive for the European market. And I went to comment and correct him, and he dirty deleted it ah. again. He's a friggin' Greta Thunberg. <laughs> Man, I don't like. I don't get to dirty delete my stuff. When I say it's a Citroen Safari instead of Sahara, it's out there. Yeah, for everybody to see. I can't go edit the video, and I've got a live with my mistakes but these commenters all like they're the internet experts they get to dirty delete their crap when they're wrong i'm like that's not that's not fair you got to be perfect all the time doug all the time all all the time all the time yeah there should be a new rule for the internet that you're never allowed to like take back anything you put there who like you got to think before you press that enter button honestly it might make it a better place things are a little here yeah i miss the old internet (laughs) New internet kind of sucks. (laughs) 
the old internet. All right, so I picked a 2012 E63 wagon. It was a 100,000 mile car. It's fairly low option. And uh, it sold for right around 30,000 bucks. But this week, I picked a way cooler E63 wagon with a P30 performance package and ceramic brakes and limited slip differential, also with almost 100,000 miles, but really, really nicely presented all the options you wanted. And I'm thinking, so let's see, the last one sold for 30. You guessed this one was sold for 37. I actually thought you were low because I'm thinking, man, these options, people will eat this up. It sold for 33 grand. So it was all those options. It was 125 K MSRP versus the hundred K MSRP that the other one sold for. So 25 grand in additional options, net the seller $3,000 more (laughs) 10 years later. God, it's a crappy return. That really is. I was honestly surprised it stayed that low. I, I mean, I wanted to wanted it to go a little bit higher, obviously, but right. it was for how cool that car was. Only three grand more. I was sitting there like, I, should I have been in the market for this? I like, never thought you'd miss low on that one. Actually, a customer of mine, Dan in Connecticut, bought the car, and I texted oh, him nice. today. I'm like, congrats, you got the <laughs> yeah. steal of the week. It's a sweet car. Again, another thing for bring a trailer is not the be all end all, right? If you're looking to set a record, like that car just faltered. It went, yeah. So, I, you know. If he had just called me up, I probably would have given him a 35 grand, not knowing any better and been like, oh, yeah, it's got great options. So anyway, so you missed by four grand, which is uh, uh, 13%. I would like to point out my first guess was 50% off. Yes. So I've really dramatically improved this week. You have. Most improved player. Okay. Let's go. All right. So what was mine? Yours for last week was a 2003 Porsche 996 GT2, uh, 19,000 miles. So like high, is that high-ish, I think? For no, a GT2? it's, it's Man, low normal, for a low. Uh, 996. Uh, great color, speed yellow. It was fantastic spec. Um, had a little bit of accident history, which you thought was going to really kind of hurt it a bit. Yep, and, and it did. For sure. Uh, so it went. I guessed 170 on that one. Yes, and it went for 179. All right. So you were really close. Not bad. Not bad. I like being low. I'm a dealer. I'm scared when I miss high. (laughs) If I miss high, then I should be fired. All right. So I'm way ahead on the percentage uh, scale. I think that was a a 5% miss, and I had an 8% miss last week. So I'm uh, killing you there. So the key is to get the double digits percentages, Doug. That the bigger numbers are better, <laughs> right? Bigger, better, bigger numbers. Let's no, really this try is golf. That. Going for <laughs> the low score. All right. So next week for you, I picked this one for you because I know it's on your short list to buy. Oh no. <laughs> 2005 Atlas Gray over Natural Brown 996 GT3. Isn't this a one of one? It is a one of one in that specification. It's Corvette rare and it's got 20,000 miles. So low miles. It's a clean history verified by GT vault. This is a switch cars, GT vault approved car. Um, Super, super nice car. Rare color. Doesn't have blue belts. It has blue belts as well. I think maritime blue. So what is your guess for that one or do you want to read mine and think about that no no i think i'm gonna do 155 oh all right for that okay 
Hopefully you're being kind. All right. Because <laughs> I think, I feel like that's probably, uh, I want people go bananas over one of one. Sure. Interior, exterior colors. So. Sure. Okay. Let's see how that pans out. Oh boy. Nervous. <laughs> so nervous. <laughs> it's at a hundred grand right now with six days to go. Which means nothing. Yeah, that means yeah. two minutes to go is the only thing that counts. I was watching the G- your GT two, well, your, and I was getting so like I was already nervous because it was at one fifty like real quick, and it didn't. It sat there for like three days. Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah, it's the doldrums of the auctions, right? Yeah, that's another thing when you're selling cars in auctions, you got to consider like people freak out because there's a bunch of action the first day and a bunch of questions, and then there's just like four days of nothing, no bids, no questions. And then everything happens in a frenzy the last day. Yeah. So, all right. What do you got for me? So for you, I have a 1994 Mercedes-Benz E500 Limited. Oh, crap. I don't know these cars. Do you know what the Limited means? I don't. So they did. Uh, the, uh, spoiler no. alert. This is not a U.S. car. <laughs> so they, well, it's that titled. It better. It, uh, it's got a clean Ohio title, allegedly. Shoot. Um, so the limited E500s they did at the end of the production and they had some like wild interiors. Okay. So, so what is the interior on this one? The interior on this one is what do they call it? It is black and blue leather upholstery but the pattern is like kind of bizarre. Do you want to see the pattern? No, describe okay. it to me. Give it me a visual picture. This like abstract art of triangles being oh, like overlaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've okay. got this like I think Matt has a suit like that. Yeah, because it almost looks like an acid acid wash kind of distress. All right. I like this. Okay. So it's got that on the inserts in the seats and what's in the, doors. the exterior color? Black. Okay. How many miles? Uh seventy seven thousand. And clean Carfax, good history, maintenance history, all that yeah, stuff. It seems to be fine. The one thing that stood out to me is slightly odd. I don't know if it matters. Is the last odometer reporting on Carfax was 47,000 miles? Is it 77,000 kilometers? Uh, because it's a Euro ooh, car? That might be. Come on oh, now. I it need only these has. Details. Uh, so December 5th, 22 in uh, Alberta, Canada. 47,889. Is the car in Canada currently? It says it has a clean Ohio title. Is it in Canada currently or in Ohio? I don't. This is a big deal because the people devalue cars that are in Canada. Is location Thousand Oaks, California, which okay. is weird. And it has a clean Ohio title and it used to be in Canada. That's odd. The uh, 77,000 is kilometers. I'm an idiot who can't read. <laughs> ah, yes. Okay. These are, okay. So 44,000 miles. Um, doesn't change my guess because I don't know anything about these. I, I mean, I know a little bit. Uh, oh, man. If, uh, if you're listening and want to check it out, uh, it's pretty sweet. It's on, it's on Bring a Trailer. Uh, they also had some other, so they, user knowledge, or user, listener knowledge, they had like few different specs of these, like this black with the blue interior was one, there was like a green with a plaid interior, and then there was a red. Like they were really, really sweet, never sold in the US. 60 grand. 60 grand, all right. That's my guess. Oh man, this is not my area of expertise. I didn't want to be, was I too much of a menace? I wasn't trying no, to go just that's a, complete that's a cool menace. Car. It was that's just a cool so cool. Car. It was built on Porsche's assembly line. Yes. No, no, no. I love those. All right. 
All right. Well, with that, we're going to get to the props and flops. And then if you're watching live on TikTok or YouTube, stick around afterwards for bonus round. We're going to catch up on a few questions that you guys asked last week and we'll do live questions. We call it tip talk. So if you want to throw us a tip, your question will go to the top of the list. So without further ado, props and flops of the week, which is brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory this week is... 2005 Porsche 911 Carrera 2 in beautiful cobalt black blue blah. Blah. You <laughs> did the gray. thing <laughs> over gray sport seats 80,000 miles clean carfax six-speed manual and great maintenance history that is a fantastic deal if you're looking for a daily driver porsche the 997 seem to be picking up in popularity everybody wants one despite the ims bore scoring blah 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 so yep uh, that's available for $43,000. Uh, hit switch cars up if you are interested. The prop of the week. So last week's prop of the week was an innovative new EV, uh, much to everybody's surprise that I would uh, prop an EV that made some incredible promises regarding charging time and battery weight. Well, promises are just that. And that is uh, illustrated by Tesla uh, via Motor Trend. The Tesla Cyber... Tesla Cybertruck electric pickup that was revealed in 2019 has seen its promised delivery time slip from 2020 to 2024 at the earliest, and that even may be optimistic. Leaked documents out of Tesla's German operations are shedding some light on why the manufacturer is so far behind on the Cybertruck, as there may be some fundamental flaws with its basic design and engineering. The January 22 report uh, leaked by a whistleblower to the German outlet Handelsblatt, indicate that pre-production Cybertruck prototypes are all far behind schedule with serious powertrain, braking, suspension, structural, and sealing issues. No big deal. Just just the engine and the brakes and the suspension and the structure. <laughs> they are, however, returning deposits contrary to the debacle facing Di Tommaso currently with the development of the P-72. And Di Tommaso is our flop of the week. Um, the Di Tommaso P-72 is probably one of the most beautiful oh, modern so supercars bar none. I mean, it is gorgeous. But Thanks to Berkeley Chadwick, I found an article this week, and the D Tomasa web is a tangled one to unravel. I just thought, like, oh, the company's making a comeback, and they've got this amazing car they're being they're building. Um, however, none have actually been made and delivered to customers yet, despite nearly $36 million in deposits being collected. What's more, over the past few years, they announced a U.S. production facility, then one at the Nürburgring. Then they partnered with the Capricorn Group to actually like produce the car. However, they failed to pay Capricorn, and Capricorn took two of the three prototypes as collateral. So... Di Tommaso only has one prototype left. It also started with the Apollo IE platform because Di Tommaso owned them. Uh, then they licensed that for like three years for 10 million bucks, but then they never used that platform because Capricorn went to a Coyote V8 with a six-speed manual, which 
in my opinion, would have made it the perfect supercar, especially in homage to the original Pantera, which was Ford engine. Now they've gone back to a company called HWA to finish production, which, side note, doesn't appear to have even been started at all. Uh, and they recently held an invite-only presentation in Toronto to announce their Roadster and take more deposits, stating that it would start production this summer. Yeah. So $36 million collected in deposits for the coupe. They can't pay for their prototypes at Capricorn, and they're taking more deposits for the Roadsters. Furthermore, what was originally a $750,000, or sorry, 750,000 euro car for the P72 is now listed at 1.6 million euro on their website, and they are accepting registrations of interest, even though the P72 was originally totally sold out. This sounds like a Vector slash Spiker TVR slash Jeff Badger all over again. Like, it's just <laughs> bait and switch, move, move. Move the goalposts, move the cups. Which cup is this God. under? Uh, HWA, though, who they've contracted with to finish the P72, doesn't even have the P72 listed on their website, on their list of current projects. So, yeah, Spicy. it sounds like a little bit of a Ponzi scheme. So th this is a vastly summarized version of the drama. It's highly disappointing to me because I really wanted to aspire to own a P72 if I could ever afford one. Uh, but the full article, and it is a great read, is available on Karenable, uh, and the link is in our episode notes as well. It is definitely worth the read. It's it's super awesome. So with that said, again, if uh, you're watching live, stick around for the bonus round after this. For the rest of you, thank you for joining us. Thank you to my co-host, uh, uh, my, my uh, uh, Ed McMahon, to the Johnny Carson, Tyler Sanders. Thank you to our producer, Ethan Huffnagel, our sponsors, Boxcast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our Bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find the best podcast link for you at switchcast.live. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week at next Wednesday at 8 p.m. As we look forward to edifying, educating and entertaining you on the drive of your life. 